Now, this jacket is like, it's just too, I feel a little bit too hot with the jacket on, and I feel a little bit too cold when I take it off. So it's like an in-between type of uh, sensation. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> awesome. Now, we'll see as we go along. If things get hotter here, then I'll, I'll take it off. Okay. The last song that we sang that uh, Enrico was leading us in worship with was about uh, giving all of ourselves to God. And that's what I preach about is about this morning. Um, and I've titled it, All of Me Loves All of You. And that is um, what devotion is. If I had to sum up that uh, phrase, all of me loves all of you, that is what the word devotion would mean. If I had to put it into one word, it would mean devotion. And that's what God wants from us. He wants devotion from us. He wants us to be devoted to him where all of us, all of me loves all of him. Awesome. Okay, so what I'm going to do, I want to take you through to the scriptures, and we want to go and have a look at the story of Abram. So you all would have known the story. It's a story that's been told to you since you were in children's church, if some of you did grow up in children's church. A very popular story. The other evening, <clears throat> I visited Harry and Candace's house, and it was about seven o'clock that I arrived, and it was just about the time that Harry and Candace would put their kids uh, to bed. So, as you know, Harry and Candace have a few children, and they all sort of uh, the same sort of all under ten, I think, sort of that sort of age. They all little ones, um, and it was time for their Bible reading. So Harry wasn't home yet; he had gone out to do something, and Candace was there. So she said, "Listen, Sean, don't you just want to read to to Zach and Leo uh, the the Bible story for the?" evening, and then um, while we wait for Harry to come. So I thought it was quite cool because uh, Harry wasn't there. We were having, they were having guests, but they would not change their routine of what they were doing. They had devoted this time in the evening to, to sit, sitting with the children and sharing with the children about God. And even though they had guests, that wasn't going to change. And that really uh, impacted me. I was really blessed by it. And anyway, so we start reading. And what story did Leo choose, uh, Zach choose to read? Abram. That's what he decided he was going to read. And so the story of Abram <clears throat> goes that Abram um, and God were like this. For the sake of the microphone, they were tight. And one day God came to Abram and God said to Abram, Abram, I want you to do something for me. I want you to sacrifice your son. So you've got little Leo and Zach there. And I'm thinking about this, and I'm thinking, you know, if God had to say that to Harry with those two little kids, I don't know how old Isaac was, Abram's son. We don't know how old he was. The Bible doesn't say. It just says you've got to, you had to sacrifice his son. Can you imagine giving up your son? That would have been such a hectic thing to, to even comprehend. Um, but that's how the story went. And I'll continue with the story. But first, I just want to tell you the funny thing that uh, Zach had to say. So just at that point, um, back comes Harry. And Harry joins us. And we're chatting uh, through the story. And we're reading it. And it's a picture book. So there's a picture. of picture, And then there's a few words. So that as a child, you can follow the pictures and get the gist of it. If you can't follow the, the words, if it's perhaps a bit above what you're at. And they got to the point <clears throat> of the sacrifice and these flames on the altar. 
and Harry says to Leo, to Zach, she is Zach, this year is an altar, and God sacrificed eventually this ram on the altar. And this is a, a shadow, an image of what was to come, where God sacrificed Jesus on the cross for us. So Harry's doing this explanation of shadows and how things go from the Old Testament and the New Testament to this little boy. And um, he understood every word. There was something of a spiritual nature that was imparted to him in that time of devotion. And it was, even though he was a little boy who, who can't understand algebra or some thing he still got to learn in a few years' time, he understood the spiritual concept. And then he not only understood it, he decided he's going to have a little bit of fun with it at the same time. So he, he sees the flames on the altar. He sees this, the flames here. He says, but you know what? There was no flames on the cross. And Eddie says, and now Eddie's thrown because now he's trying to, to uh, cope with what was said. And, and uh, Zach says, but there should have been fireworks on the cross. Out of the mouths of babes. That's how little Zach understands the things of God, and that's how he sees Jesus, and that's how he saw the cross, this place with fireworks, this awesome thing that happened, uh, that God is, that gift that God gave to us. So even in the littlest of kids, you can share the gospel. It is life. The words of God is life, and you, there's no age that is appropriate for the things of God. So I was blessed by the devotional time, <clears throat> And last week, we uh, Rian preached, and Rian sp- said that he sensed through a prophetic word that had come to the church that some of us had our mouths closed, um, and we all weren't able to speak because of certain things that happened in our past. This morning, Ronald shared a testimony of how God is working with her and setting her free of those things. And Rian felt that we should spend this week Declaring life over our lives. Where we take the word of God and we speak it over our lives. And he says, all I want from you in this time, Rian said, is just 10 minutes a day. I want you to give me 10 minutes a day to spend with God for your benefit. He says, because when you do this, you're going to be declaring life over yourself. You're going to be declaring the word of God over yourself. And it's going to be for your good. But take 10 minutes and spend it with God. And some of us were able to do it and saw with it, and some of us struggled a little bit with it. Um, but that's what he asked us to do. So my response to that would be, Rian has asked me to do it. I know that he's sensing this in God, so I'm going to do it as well. And I got in there, and I did my best to spend 10 minutes in that particular uh, thing that Rian had sh- shared with us. And this morning I was feeling this, Actually, through a song that God spoke to me and gave me this preach was, All of Me Loves All of You. And it's not a Christian song. It's a secular song, so we won't go into who sings it and all the rest of it. Um, But if you know it, you're probably going to recognize it. I won't sing it because that will just destroy the moment. But it it goes like it all. (laughs) No, don't. Get behind me, Satan. I'm not going to. So, uh, but all of me loves all of you, all my love and all my fiction. 
Everything I have, I want to give to you. I want to give myself to you completely. I want to be devoted to you. That's what, what that means. All of me loves all of you. So I'm going to have a look in the Bible because that's God's word and that's where we, off, we find truth. And I want to take you back to Zach's story of Abram. And I want to share with you what kind of a man Abram was. Now, Abram was known as uh, the father of faith. The Bible accounts that many nations were blessed because of Abram, and um, God used Abram mightily. So Abram was a regular man like Harry. So sorry, Candace, that, where is, is Harry here? Is he yeah. So I think the two of you are going to be uh, a big part of the preach today, if you don't mind. So, um, so just like, like Harry, uh, Abram was a regular man. There wasn't anything special about him. He used to herd sheep, man. That's, that's what, what Abram was. He was a sheep. Not that anything wrong with sheep herders, in case there are any sheep herders here. <clears throat> if you are here, put up your hand. No? Okay, there's one sheep herder there. Must be Australian. So, um, he was a sheep herder. He was just a regular guy. And, uh, but there was something special about him. And that something special was that he was devoted to God. That is what made Abram special. Nothing else. He was just a man like any other man. And Abram, God comes up to Abram one day and he says, Abram, um, I want you to sacrifice your son. And the story is actually short. It just takes one chapter. That is in Genesis chapter 22. And I want you just to make a note of that. Um, because for this week going forward, I want us to... Uh, have our devotional times with God around what is being preached today. And so on Monday, your first day will be uh, Genesis chapter 22. That's what you're going to read through the whole chapter. We won't read through it now because there's 19 verses in that section I'm going to talk about. So um, he says, Abram, I want you to sacrifice your son. And it goes just very academically it lists all the things that happened there. And Abram then took his son and he took him to the altar to sacrifice him. And it sounds like like... Like Abram just had, was a supernatural guy, just took his son. Okay, God said, let me go and do it. He was a father. Just like Harry, you call, if God says to Harry, Harry, I want you to take one of your several kids and <clears throat> sacrifice them. Even though Harry has more than one kid, it doesn't matter. It would still be a big thing for him to go and do this. So behind the scenes, I'm sure there must have been a lot of things going on with, with Abram, perhaps we was negotiating with God, please take my sheep, take all these things, but not my son. That's what I would imagine. If you're a father, you know what that feels like. So God says to him, come, I want you to sacrifice uh, your son. And he takes his son and he takes wood and he takes fire. It says he carried the fire with, so they obviously didn't have zippos or whatever the case is. And he carries the fire with him and the wood and they go up the mountain. All along the way, his son is saying to him, uh, Dad, where's, uh, where's the sacrifice? You've got the fire. I see you've got the knife. I see you've got the wood. Where's the sacrifice, Dad? And Abram is now stuck because he's leading his son to this place. And he says, don't worry, God will provide uh, the sacrifice. And when they get there, he binds his son. The Bible says he binds his son and put him on. I don't think his son said, okay, Dad, here you go. Tie me up. I think there was a struggle I think it was a, a, um, 
and a terrible situation there. And he took his son, bound him up so he couldn't move and tied him to the altar because that's what God wanted. And at that time, God, <clears throat> the angel of the Lord speaks from heaven to God, uh, to um, Abram. And says to Abram, stop, Abram, don't do that. And at the same time, Abram looks across and he sees a ram, a male sheep with horns. And they were in the mountains, so I'm guessing it's one of those type of mountain. Where's the sheep herder? You would know what I'm <laughs> talking about. He would be one of, one of those type of sheep. And he was stuck in the thicket. And there was the sacrifice that God had put down. But there was, God had chosen Abram to do this for a reason. And I want to take us to Genesis 22, verse 16 to 17. And the angel of the Lord said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you, and that's the part I want you to take note of, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. And make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of the enemies. The next verse as well, please. I didn't tell you to. There's 18. That's the next one, eh? 18. Okay. Okay, I'll surprise you. And verse 18. Do you have verse 18 now? That's a, Genesis has Old Testament, eh? In the front of the book, okay. Okay, I'll get it before him, I think. Let's just see. Verse 18. Okay, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of your enemies and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. So here's this regular man like Harry called Abram and God says to him, I want you to do this thing. He was prepared to go and do it. And God saw that. God saw Abram's devotion. God saw that all of Abram loved all of God. That Abram held nothing back in his life, not even his own son. And that is why God chose to use Abram. So there was a lot of things we can get out of the story. We know Abram is the father of faith. We know there's so many things that we got out of there. But the reason why God chose Abram to start with was for this very thing that he was devoted to God. And it says in verse 16, and I swear by myself, says the Lord, that because you have done this and not withheld your son, because of what you have done, because you are devoted to me, I'm going to do this. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless nations. Nations and generations to come were affected by his devotion. So maybe this is an isolated story. Maybe um, there was only one person like this on the entire earth, in all the history of the earth, that um, 
would uh, have this kind of devotion. Maybe this is just a rare case, but I think not. And I'm going to show you that there are other times and other people who um, had a similar type of devotion. And I'll take you through to the story of Daniel. Now, Daniel, and that is in Daniel chapter 6. And that will be for Tuesday that we're going to all spend time in that whole chapter. Daniel chapter 6 from verse 1 to 28 is what we're going to do on Tuesday. And in this story, Daniel lands up in a foreign country. I don't have time to go explain all the background of it. He lands up in a foreign country, and Daniel, um, God blesses Daniel to the point that Daniel becomes a politician within that country to the point that the king, below the king, there was just three people, Daniel and two others. And those three ruled the whole land. Not only that, but God blesses Daniel more to the extent that he has plans to bring Daniel to become the prime minister of that country. So in the UK, you've got the queen and the king. You've got the monarchy there. And then you've also got the government that ruled. And so in their case, it was the same thing. They had a king there, but they also had a political parliament that ran all things. And so when the other guys heard this, they heard that Daniel was going to become um, prime minister. They said, no, we don't like this. We're jealous. We don't want this to happen, but we can't find fault with Daniel. Daniel is a man who's devoted to God. He will not steal. He will not be corrupt. He will not do any of these things. We can't trip this man up, but we know one way that we can get to him. And that is through his religion because he serves a different God to the God that we serve. And they go to the king and they conspire and they say, King, we think that uh, you should pass a law saying that anybody for the next 30 days who does not pray to you, because back then the king and God was one and the same thing to the, to the people in that time. If they do not pray for you for the next 30 days, they pray to anybody else that they be thrown in the lion's den. And the king said, absolutely, everybody should pray to me. And they pass the law. The guys take, those jealous people took some others with him. They caught Daniel in the act of praying, and they took him to the lion's den. They throw him into the lion's den, and the king is most distressed because the king had favor on Daniel because he was going to make him prime minister. So Daniel was a, a guy that, had, uh, that the king really liked and wanted a good future for, and he was distressed when he had to do this. But he threw him into the lion's den anyway. He notices that the lions are not eating Daniel. He calls Daniel out. And he is amazed by what happens. And in Daniel chapter 6, verse 25 to 26, this is what happens. Because Daniel was devoted to God, he would not hold back any part of his life. That when somebody said to him, I want you to pray to another God, Daniel would not do it. When they said you're going to die by being ripped apart by lions, Daniel did not stop praying to God. And then In verse 25 of Daniel chapter 6, Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and peoples of every language in all the earth. So just to give a perspective on this, this, he was the king of the Medes and the Persians, and throughout history you had these civilizations that conquered the whole known world. At one point the Romans did it, the Greeks did it, etc. And the Medes and Persians, which was who King Darius led, they had done this as well, and they had conquered most of the known world. So when he says to, to, to when the king writes and says to all the nations and people of every language, that's his entire kingdom, the whole known world he's addressing. And he says, may you prosper greatly. I issue a decree 
that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. So because Daniel was devoted and he gave all of his life, he would not hold back. It affected this king so much that this king, him and his, the entire nation, the entire known world, he instructed all of them, you will serve the God of Daniel. So Daniel's life impacted people so much that the whole world was changed because of his devotion to God. With Abram, we see that because of Abram's devotion to God, nations and generations were influenced by his life. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? And these are regular people like Harry. He's, he's a special guy. He's, you know what I mean? I'm, I just... So, he, 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 simple men and women like you and I, that's what Daniel and that's what Abram were, turned the world upside down for one reason only. All of them loved all of God. They would hold nothing back in their lives. Nothing would be held back. Not their sons, not their own lives. I'll give you one more example just to show you what the, that this is a, it's not two isolated instances. This is actually how uh, the people who loved and served God, this is what they looked like. We know the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's Daniel chapter 3, and that is what we're going to look at on Wednesday from verse 1 to 30. Daniel chapter 3 from verse 1 to 30 for Wednesday morning. Same situation. They find themselves in a foreign country serving a king. They gain favor by the king. They were politicians within the king's ranks. And the king makes an order and says, whenever you hear the sound, whether it be a musical instrument, whether it be a gong, whatever the case is, the whole, my whole kingdom, and remember again, the whole kingdom is pretty much the known world, will bend down and worship this golden image, this idol that I've made. You will bend down and you will worship this idol. And um, the gong goes off one day, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, guess what they do? Did they bow down to the idol? Why did they not buy down to the idol? Because they were devoted to God. And of course, the, king see, the people see this. They take him to the king. He says, off you go into the furnace. You're going to burn in the furnace because you did not do what I said. They take him to the furnace. The furnace is so hot that as they throw them into the furnace, the soldiers who were pushing them in, the soldiers are scorched to death. That's how hot the furnace was. And they are thrown into the furnace, and the king looks in and he says, didn't we throw three people into the furnace? How come there's four people in the furnace? And they come out unscorched. Their clothes didn't even smell of smoke. Now that is amazing. So there's these three groups of people who are devoted to God, who God uses because they are devoted, who God blesses because they are devoted. People around them are blessed because they are devoted to God. He rescues them. He, he saves Abram's son by sending him a ram. He rescues the, Daniel from the lion's den by closing the mouths of the lions with angels. And these guys, the angel of the Lord appears with him in the fire, and they don't even smell like smoke. And this is what the king had to say at the end of that time. This is now King Nebuchadnezzar, that big name. This is him. Daniel chapter 3, verse 28 to 29. And Nebuchadnezzar said, 
Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Devotion to God in your life will turn people around you to want to serve God. Praise be to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. This is a guy who did not follow God. He, he, he did not serve God. And this is another part that Rick I want us to take note of. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. This is the king speaking. Eh? This is him saying. They had just disobeyed the king. They should be, he should be angry and he should be wanting to take revenge on them because in, in the past when you were king and anybody challenged your authority, for example, you say go and do this and you don't do it, they challenge your authority, the king had to deal with it because the next thing there's two people, three people, and he's overthrown. So for a king, it was a big thing when somebody uh, disobeyed him. So he said they trusted him and defied the king's command, and we were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own. Therefore, because they did this, because they were devoted to God, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubber, for no other God can save in this way. The king gets a revelation right there and then. This is something else. This is not an idol. This is not a, a, a God that we choose to want to serve. This is the real deal. He gets a revelation of God, of God's saving power that God can rescue. How did he see that? How did he come to that conclusion? Because of the lives of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were prepared to give up their lives. They would hold nothing back of themselves for the love for their God. And it turned nations upside down. Again, the entire known world was turned upside down by what they did. Does God want that same devotion today? Does God want us to worship idols? Does God want us to say, all of me loves all of you? Who would like their life to be used by God? Eh? I think that's, in every Christian from the time, we could say that's something we want. Yeah, see that two hands there, Nikki. That is something we all want. God, I want to be used by you. I want to prophesy, God. I want to heal the sick. God, I want to uh, lead people to you. I want to do all these things. We desire those things because we love God and we want to serve God. How do we get there? Devotion to God. Simple. It's a small thing. It's not a, it's not a big thing. It's a, devotion is a state of mind and heart. God, I love you. I hold nothing back from you. Nothing at all. So when Rian says, can we spend 10 minutes in the morning, just or whenever, just to, to go through those things, then that's something that's in our hearts that we want to do. Isn't it? What, is, what are the things that, when we don't do those things, and if I, I don't want you to show, put up your hands, because that means I'll have to put up my hand first. If I had to say, 
Who of you does your quiet time every single day without fail? Who doesn't do it? I'd have to put up my hand first. Because I've gone through these ups and downs through the years where I know what God wants. And I desperately want to do what God wants. And I want to be devoted to God. Yet a simple thing like spending time every single day with God, I sometimes don't do. And what is the reason for it? What comes between me and God? Always the world. In one form or the other. There's no other reason, no, nothing else that can ever separate us from God in terms of, of, of our, what's in our control, but the world. So we have the, the series that we want to watch on TV. We've got the sport we want to play. We've got the uh, book we want to read. We've got all these things that we want to do, the, the idols of the world, the things of this world. But if we devote it to God, we won't do those things. We'll put it aside and we will spend time with God. And this is not condemnation. This is just real life. This is what happens. So I sincerely want to be devoted to God. And it's a choice that I need to make. I have to say, God, I'm going to do this. These guys that we went through didn't have any superpowers. They were just regular people who chose to be devoted to God. We are Christians today. We've been born again. Spirit-filled, we have our future tied into Jesus Christ. We know where we're going, um, but there's still a choice that we can make, and that is to be devoted to God. I want to just give you a little of a glimpse of, as you go into your devotional times for the rest of this week, of what my life has looked like in the times when I've been devoted to God and when I haven't been devoted to God. When I'm devoted to God, when I am serving him with all my heart, when I put aside all the things of the world, I spend my time with him every day and I'm praying and I'm worshiping him. I'd go into my office and I'd come into the office. I've got a little office at my home, so it's, it's quiet. The point being, I've got my secret place, which we all should have. And I'll go into the office, I'll close the door, and I'm doing this every day. And I come into the Thing, and I say, hi, God, and I'm filled with the presence of God immediately. This is Sean's experience. Please don't go away and say, well, my life doesn't look like that. Therefore, there's something that's not right. It's a personal walk with you and God. You work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I walk into my room, and I'm filled with the presence of God. I start to pray, and I'm just praying and praying, and I find later I've prayed for 10, 15, 20 minutes without thinking about what I'm going to pray. I sit down with the Bible, and I say, God, I want to learn more about you. I open the word. I start reading. And the, the words in the page jump out like they are alive. Like, like, it's, like it shoots out like in front of you, like you can see it type of thing. I say, God, I want to, I'm praying now and I want to pray for this one and that one. And then you'll put somebody on my mind and you'll give me a scripture and I'll phone the person and the person will be blessed because of the word that was shared. We all go to church and we'll come to church and there'll be worship in front. And I will come to stand in front and I will worship with a strength I didn't know I had. I'm able to worship God, raise my hands, and there's something inside of me that burns for God. Somebody will say to me, Sean, do you want to pray for me? Um, I think there's a problem. And I pray for them. And whatever it is that is required, whether it's deliverance, whatever the case may be, it happens. 
because God blesses those who are devoted to him. But I want to tell you something else that happens in my life. In those seasons when I don't spend time with God, when the world becomes attractive, when three, four days will go by and I haven't spent time with God. Daniel preached, this is now Daniel from Benoni, not Daniel from, from uh, the Bible. When Daniel from Benoni preached, he said, I'm feeling like a word for this church, like these people who get familiar with God. In the times when I've been familiar with God, when I don't spend time with him because my day is too busy with the things that I want to do. I want to sleep a bit later. I want to go play sport. I want to do this. I want to do that. Before I find it, the day is gone. Bye. Don't worry, God. You and I, we're good. I'll see you tomorrow. Doesn't happen the next day because the next day again, other things are more important before him. Some time will go by. I can't tell you how long it is. And then I'll come into my office and I say, hey, God. Nothing. Nothing. It's quiet. Hmm? Okay. And I'll say, God, good morning. I want to thank you, God, for this day. I want to thank. And there's no energy to pray. There's nothing. I can't, I can't pray. I'm looking for words. I'm trying to think of scriptures. I'm trying to do something to pray. I suddenly don't have the power to pray. I can do it in my own strength, but I'm used to having this power that drives me. Do you know what it's like? It's like having a low-voltage battery that powers the system. And even though you can't see it, you can't tangibly touch it, that power is there, and it's moving me all the time. And when I know that the power is there, how I know it's there is because when it's gone, I miss it. So it's not a power that, is, that blows me away. It's just this gentle sense of knowing, this peace inside of me that God knows me. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit testifies with your spirit that you are a child of God. There's this, this just, you can't explain it. The way you think, feel, move, etc., is different when you're devoted to God than when you're not. And then I'd say, God, uh, what's going on? Whoa, hey, dude. I'd say, did you put up the volume? Okay. So, <clears throat> then, I'd cry out to God. I'd say, God, what's happening? Where are you? I'm not hearing from you. I sit with the Bible. I open the Bible to have a look. To, to see. There's no motivation that comes out of it. There's no anything. Uh, somebody says, Sean, will you pray for me? And I fear it. Because I've got to now do this in my own strength. I've got to think of prayers and words and, and to try and bless somebody because the power is gone. And that is my experience with God. And all God is doing in that process is saying, Sean, you know that I love you with everything that I have. And I want you to love me completely. I want you to be devoted to me completely. And this year is the same thing that happens with you and your wife. If you're not spending time with your wife, if you're off and doing all kinds of stuff, and then you want to come close to your wife, and your wife says, uh-uh. That's what I imagine what's happening with my relationship with God. And this is personal. This is not necessarily for you. Just be with me and don't, yeah, just be with me. And it's the same type of thing. There's an intimacy there between God and I that comes out of a place of devotion when I'm sold out for him and I spend all my time with him, then that's what happens in my life. But without, without that devotion, I'm, I'm like I'm in the desert. Without that God, I'm like in the desert. I can do absolutely nothing.
preparing for this preach, I went through three days of desert. I was saying, but God, I have been spending time with you. What is this about? It was just his preparation for me for this preach that when I shared it, I would be clear in my mind about what I needed to say. Sometimes people say, please, will you pray for me? I don't hear from God. I don't even know if I'm saved. It's not, not uncommon. It's pretty normal. We all work out our faith with fear and trembling. And where are you, God? I don't see you. I don't hear you. I want to say, ask you, first, are you devoted to God? First, when that time arise, is are you devoted to God? Because all of me loves all of you. Is that what your heart is singing? Is that what your actions are doing? Because God is real and we have a relationship with him. And if you're not spending time with him tight like that, then he's going to feel it. It's a love relationship between the two of us, between you and him. I want to read you a piece of, of, uh, of an article I read on the 412 website. It's from Sue McIntosh. That's what I was going to say. It was from Sue McIntosh. She and her husband have gone up into Malawi along with some people, and they felt God called them up there to go and minister there. And what they're going to be doing, they're going to be teaching pastors. They're going to be bringing all the different churches together under 412 in an attempt to build the church in that region. She wrote this after being up there for a short while. We soon found that each member of the team needed to maintain intimacy with Jesus through personal devotions. If we lost our closeness with Jesus, how would his presence manifest when we were ministering in the churches? They were out doing the work of God. They were out there doing amazing things, but they discovered something in their busyness. They forgot that intimacy with God. And when it came to time of worship, time of of people seeing the life of Jesus in them, there was no life of Jesus in them. It wasn't evidence because they haven't been maintaining that relationship. John 12 verse 25, I didn't give you the scripture, but John 12 verse 25 says, anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. 